Proverbs 3. We're going to look at that today. Proverbs 3. And if you didn't bring a Bible, we say this, I think, almost every Sunday. We should have some black Bibles near you in the seat rack around you there in front of you. And uh, if you want to pull one of those out, if you didn't bring a Bible, it's on page 439. And uh, again, if you don't have a Bible, take that home with you. We'll replace it. We'd love for you to have your own Bible. So as you're turning there, I think you know that Chuck already said it. This is the last week of our Family Values series. And so we have been looking at some of the different things God's been teaching us as a church family. Uh, We said this several times, but you know, when a family, whatever a family celebrates tends to get repeated. And so when we actually celebrate these things and hold them up by naming them, the chances of them getting practiced more, the chances of us being more conscious of them and doing them goes up. In fact, if you're following along in the notes, here's what we've been saying, I think, almost every week. By naming our values, we can live them more intentionally. By naming our values, by holding them up, we can live them more intentionally. And today, we're going to talk about the last value of prayer. But if you turn your notes over on the back side of the notes there, I want you just to see where we've been. Even if you haven't been able to be here every week, you'll see that we've talked about how we value the Bible. We value living as God's stewards. We value right relationships. We value authenticity and excellence. We value spiritual hunger. We value every person serving in our church family. We value those still on the way with Jesus, those who haven't yet trusted him. And then we also, as we see today, we value prayer. And I want to talk to you today about what that means, but would you start by helping me read these three lines out loud together? Let's try it. We value prayer because prayer is a primary way God works in and through his people We want to continuously and expectantly call on the name of the Lord. So if you turn your notes back over, what I hope you'll see today is that God works in and through us as we practice prayer. In other words, God begins to work in and through us as we practice prayer. Now, let me just try and unpack that. Regularly, almost every week, you can look up here and see this banner, but we repeat something like this that we believe God is calling us as a church to declare war on shallow Christianity, beginning with ourselves. What's shallow Christianity? Shallow Christianity is this idea that Jesus can be my Savior, but I don't want him as my Lord. I want him to bless me, but I don't want him to be in charge of my life. I want him for the benefits he gives me, but I don't want him for himself. And so we can begin to get in this shallowness where we just think this relationship with God is this kind of thing where he's like useful to us but he's not the center of our lives. And we want to learn what would it look like if he really is the center of our lives, if he's Lord and not just Savior. And so as we think about that, I want to just say this. There is no way for that change to happen in our lives except through prayer. God uses prayer in our lives to shape us. He works in us and through us through prayer. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. And I hope that this is helpful, but let me just start by asking this. I mean, if you want to ask a pastor any time that they feel inadequate, just ask them if they, how they feel when they speak on the subject of prayer. Because the truth is, is that God has been teaching me some things, but I feel like I'm just a first grader. And sometimes I feel like I still don't even do the things I understand as well as I hope to do. 
But I'm excited today to be able to share something with you that I think has been helpful to some of you and may just be a reminder, but it's been helpful to me. And it is so big that it's something that we will grow into into all eternity. I mean, this is just huge. So let me just start by telling you, uh, G. Campbell Morgan, a respected pastor from another era, tells how when he was a young man and he was leaving home, his father pressed a folded piece of paper into his hand and said goodbye to him. Later, he pulled that note out and looked at it and unfolded it, and on it was just these words. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Proverbs 3, 6. And he noticed that his dad didn't write any other words. The only thing that he had besides that piece of paper was the example of his dad's life. And he said that that went with him the rest of his life. Now, I want to tell you that when we talk about what prayer is and how to do it, there's lots of answers that can be given. But I want to tell you the answer I've come to in the most simplest way is this. Prayer is acknowledging him in all our ways. That's what it is. And what does that mean? We want to unpack that today and talk about what God promises as we do that. And then I want to talk about how we can practice it. So let's just stop and let me pray, and then we'll look at this together. I thank you, God, that my inadequacies in no way trump your abilities. Your skill to work in a human heart, including my own and those that are here, is unbelievable. So we worship you for the way that you can change us and move us from shallow to a maturity that's only possible through your work in our lives. We pray you teach us about prayer. And even more than that, I want to pray that if there's any person here that's never been able to think of themselves as a praying person, that they'd walk out of here knowing that you can help them pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... Why don't we read Proverbs 3, 6 together and then talk about what we do when we pray. Would you read it out loud with me in that first gray box? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Now, some of you are saying, look, if that's the only verse you're talking about today, why'd you have me open my Bible? Because we just read it together. I didn't need to do that. It's because I'm going to refer to it in just a little bit. I want to show you some things around this verse that are helpful as we think about this. But if you're following along, here's what we do when we pray. In the most basic sense, God says, it's acknowledging me. It's acknowledge him. So if you're following along, what does acknowledge him mean? I don't know if you've thought about the word acknowledge, but it means to turn to, consult with, and depend on him. The the weight of this word is kind of weighty, and it comes with this idea that it means to look to, to turn to, to consult with, to depend on him. In fact, if you look at the word acknowledge, what's the root word of acknowledge? It's no, K-N-O-W. And so what he's saying is, in all your ways, know me. Know him. Know him intimately. Know him personally. Know him in, in a way that is not just theoretical. So in all your ways, acknowledge him. And uh, again, what I've, I've learned about this is just think about this. If you acknowledge someone, it means they're already there. 
You can't acknowledge someone's not there, can you? It's impossible. There'd be no reason to. But so what he's saying is, look, what prayer is in part is a response to me and what I'm already doing and what I've already done. And uh, if you, one, of the, one of the ways that you can actually diss someone the most is by not acknowledging them, by acting like they're not there, by acting like they're not important. But the word acknowledge takes someone important and it, 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 it realizes their value. And so like my wife and I have just learned in marriage that especially with all these tablets and screens and all these other things that are so distracting, that it's possible for us to be next to each other and not acknowledge each other. She's told me on a regular basis, see, sometimes I just reduce acknowledging down to this most basic thing. As long as I look in your general direction and nod a lot. Then that's acknowledging, isn't it? Or as long as I like tip my hat towards heaven, that's acknowledging. But then my wife will just say sometimes like, you didn't hear anything I just said to you, did you? No. And she's just saying, so in a way, you didn't acknowledge me, even though you were going through the motions of that. So what he's saying is, look, let your heart be in it. Make sure that this is not just phony baloney business. Make sure that you really are learning how to know me, to, to acknowledge me, to recognize that I'm already here, already working. Now, for some of us here, some of you don't yet believe in God or you're having struggles to believe in God. So this would be challenging for you. You're not even sure if that's possible because you're not even sure he's there. I'll just say this to you. I, I respect that. And I've had more people tell me over the years that they finally got to the place where they just at least did this. They said, God, I don't even know if you exist. But if you do, I'd like to know. And I, I'm, I'd ask that you would somehow graciously show yourself to me. And in a way, that was kind of acknowledging the possibility that he was there. And I, I would just say that may be a step for you to consider. So anyway, acknowledge him. The second idea is, who's the him? H-I-M, who's the him? Well, if you look back at verse 5, I asked you to have your Bibles open. It says, trust in the who, friends? The Lord, with all your heart. And so the idea in verse 6 is a continuation of that. So in all your ways, don't only trust in him, but acknowledge him. So him, if you're following along, is the Lord who made us and gave his life for us. Him is the Lord, all capital letters, L-O-R-D, who made us and gave his life for us. Now, I want to just explain this because sometimes people say, like, when I pray, like, what are the first words I say? We know from the Lord's Prayer that you can begin by saying our what? Father. Sometimes you read in the Bible, prayers start with Lord Jesus. Some prayers start with Holy Spirit. And the idea here is that the Lord is a three-in-one God. The Lord is sometimes used of God the Father. It is sometimes used of Jesus the Son. And sometimes it's used of the Holy Spirit. But the idea... Is, is that the Lord is the one who made us. God, three in one, the mystery of the Trinity. God is the one we pray to. So here's sometimes people have found this helpful. We pray to the Father through Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit. But there's also times where it's completely appropriate to pray specifically to Jesus, specifically the Holy Spirit. The point is, is he's the Lord. And when we talk about moving from shallow to mature, every one of us have to ask ourselves this question. Have I ever acknowledged him as the Lord of my life? Have I ever acknowledged him as the Lord? And if you've never done that, 
then I want you to know that where God's going to ultimately lead you is to take that step. I want you to notice, too, that it does matter who you pray to. Some people say, well, as long as I'm sincere, I can pray to any God. I can pray any direction, any force. That's not the kind of prayer that the Bible teaches us. The kind of prayer the Bible teaches is pray to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so he's the one that's been revealed. So when we pray, we acknowledge him and all that he's done, how he's made us, how he gave himself for us. In fact, friends, the only reason we can approach a holy God is because Jesus Christ gave himself as a sacrifice in our place to make us right with God. So we can pray. We can approach him now, the Bible says. The third thing I want you to see in this section is, is that prayer is learning to lean on and share everything with the Lord. Prayer is learning to lean on and share everything with the Lord. Now, where do I get this? Again, if you've got your Bibles open, I want you to see the bookends around verse 6. Notice the sentence just before it. It says, and lean not on what? Your own understanding. In other words, uh, the idea is, is that it's not telling us to kiss our brains goodbye. It's just saying, ultimately, don't put all your weight and all your trust in what you understand, in what you know. It's not saying that's wrong. God's given us minds. He's given us the ability to think. He's just saying, don't put your ultimate leaning on that. Now, look at verse 7. The next line, right after verse 6, it says, do not be wise in what? Your own eyes. So, confession. Here's one of the reasons I don't acknowledge the Lord. I got this one, God. I got it covered. I know enough. Go help someone else. I think, I'm, I think I know what I need. I think I know what I'll do in this situation. And we lean on our own understanding, and we're wise in our own eyes. But what, what I want you to see about prayer today is that prayer is an act of dependence. Prayer is a conscious act of dependence. Look at this quote from Ken Boa. I find this very helpful. He says, our prayer life is our greatest act of dependence. The lack of prayer is our greatest act of independence. So why don't we acknowledge the Lord? Because we're being independent. Friends, I don't know if you know this, but that was the whole cause of sin and the fall, the Bible tells us. When Adam and Eve fell, you know how they fell? They began to act independent of God. They thought they could do it on their own. They thought they knew better than God. They stopped depending on the one who was their life and who gave them life. And when you and I do that, we will not have any reason to acknowledge him. In fact, we will purposely not acknowledge him if we want to stay independent. But if we're learning that one of the greatest gifts in life is that now we can be childlike, no matter what our age, when it comes to a dependence, and that by depending on him, he opens up a whole new world. And so he says, look, here's how you can express your conscious dependence upon me. Acknowledge me. Acknowledge me. It's that simple. It's not fancy. Acknowledge me. Lean on me instead of your own understanding. Lean on me instead of somebody else. Lean on me in a such a way. And I, here, I told this before, but years ago, I used to do some Bible studies with different groups of men. And we would study the life of David, this warrior king. Man, is very, very inspiring. But I would say to the guys, okay, now that we've studied all these chapters on David's life, what have you noticed about David? And again and again, these guys would say, you know what I can't get past? 
there's this line that keeps occurring to describe David. It says, and David inquired of the Lord. And David inquired of the Lord. And they said, wow, even though he was smart and he was savvy, he would regularly, in every situation he'd come to, he'd say, God, what should we do? God, what do you want me to do? God, how do you see this situation? God, what do you want me to do with this person? He inquired of the Lord. He, as great as he was, he inquired of the Lord because he practiced conscious dependence on the Lord. And the only time that he had ever any regrets in his life is when he practiced independence with Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite and places like that. And so we're learning how to do that. Um, Again, I could say some more, but let me go on, okay? Now, why? Why should we acknowledge him? The Bible tells us. It says, because he will direct your paths. Do you see that? Here's God's promise when we pray. He will direct your paths. And also, the idea here is that not only will he direct our paths, but let's read uh, Proverbs 3, 6 as we find it in the New International Version, in that second gray box. Let's read that. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. So we see that acknowledging him, knowing him, does include this idea of submitting our lives to him as Lord, of giving things to him. But it also has this idea that he can make our paths straight, he can direct our paths. What does that mean? You know, one of the most asked questions that a pastor receives is, what's God's will for my life? What's my future? How am I supposed to know what God wants? who I'm supposed to marry, where I'm supposed to live, what school I'm supposed to go to, what I'm supposed to do with this money, what I should do in this situation. We all have questions like that, don't we? It's talking about our paths. So here's what he's saying. He'll direct your paths is another way of saying paths of life. He'll lead us in paths of life instead of paths of death. The Bible says in Proverbs, it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to destruction. It leads to death. Therefore, we don't want to take those paths. We want paths of life. Look at Psalm 1611, if you would, here on the screen. It says, you make known to me the path of what? Life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Look at Psalm 32, 8 as well. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. So here's what I want you to see. If, you, if you've, you've probably sometimes had the advantage point of maybe going up on a hill or maybe being up on a mountain and you're looking down at a city and sometimes maybe you've eaten at the top of the Hilton or just stood up there, been in one of the higher floors and you look down at Springfield and you can see how traffic's going on the different streets. Let's just say all of a sudden uh, you're down on the streets and you can't see why everybody stopped But from a higher vantage point, someone can see where your paths and the best way to go. See, as you and I acknowledge him, he has a better view. He's the only one that really knows the best way to guide our lives. But I've had to struggle with this over the years. I've thought, God, I think I know what's best for me. I think I really do. And I'll help you or ignore you or whatever I have to do. But I think I know best. And he's just going, come on, really, you don't know the paths of life that I can bring in your life. But if you'll trust me, I'll direct you. Years from now, they may even be hard paths, but they'll be paths of life by comparison. Notice it also means he promises to answer, guide, and show us more if we'll call. If you're following along, he promises to answer, guide, and show us more if we'll call. But if we don't call, 
All bets are off. He's waiting to answer us. He's waiting to guide us and direct us. He's waiting to show us things if, if we'll call. Proverbs 33.3, I mean, excuse me, Jeremiah 33.3, sometimes called God's phone number. Look at what it says. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. So he'll show us things that we don't know. So are there ever, you know, like, let's just say we walk out of here and go, Jeff, nice, nice idea. I'm not doing it. I don't, I don't, I'm not there yet, or I don't believe that's true. So what happens? There's a verse in Joshua 9, verse 14, that I want to see if we can look up here on the screen. This verse makes me tremble every time I think about it. The Israelites were beginning to, to move into the land of Canaan, and so they were told not to make treaties with any other countries. And so the Gibeonites saw how that was going down, so they decided to trick the Israelites into making a treaty with them. So they got old clothes, you know, uh, moldy bread, and uh, they put on things, and they made, they made it look like they'd come from miles and miles away, when actually they weren't far away. So because the Israelites had already been experiencing so much success, they decided to sample their provisions, but they did not what, friends? What does it say? They did not inquire of the Lord. And that ended up becoming a costly thing in their life that they had to live with for years after that because they decided that they knew better than God at that time. And God let them remind, oh man, come on. Remember, you need to acknowledge me in all your ways. And that leads to this next idea. But I want, before I do that, I want to just kind of give you an idea of what I mean. Years ago, I was saying, God, could you like net this out for me so it's practical? Like, what happens when I acknowledge you? So he said, well, Jeff, picture, picture that I'm standing right here. Okay, so if you can picture the Lord standing right here. And he says, when you look at me, instead of your situation or instead of what you're thinking about, when you look at me, he said, here's what I want to do. And he said, it's like, I'll put my arm around you. And now everywhere you go, I'll show you things. I'll say, here's how I want you to think about that relationship. Here's how I want you to do work today. Here's the idea I want to give you about that situation you're frustrated about. Here's a person I want you to think about. But he says, when you acknowledge me, I'll, then I'll show you things. But make sure you acknowledge me so I'm, I'm right alongside you, able to show you those things. That's really helped me. So how do we live more intentionally? How do we practice this? And here's where most of us get stuck because we have a wrong idea of what prayer really looks like. So here's the last phrase, in all your ways. In all your ways. And most of you go, okay, you lost me. I gotta become a monk, or a Navy SEALs Christian, or I gotta retire. Because I can't do it in all my ways. I have too much going on. I can't do two things at once. Let me talk to that. What this verse means, you know, people have often said things like this, but if you study this word all in the Hebrew language it was originally written, you know what it means? All. It really does. God's not blowing smoke. So when he says, pray about everything, he's not, he's not trying to just make our lives crazy. When it says, pray without ceasing, he really does mean that. Now, I want to make sure you're clear. None of us will do this perfectly on this side of heaven. But we can know the richness of this regular, continuous practice in our lives in more ways than we possibly can imagine. 
So here's what this means. It means in whatever you do, if you're following along in whatever you do and wherever you are, in whatever you do and wherever you are. Now, let me just stop and think about this because you're going to walk out of here today and you're going to have to figure out how you apply this if you're interested in doing that. So let me just say this. I have several friends and because we have a friendship, when I go to their house or we go for a meal, what they've, what they've helped me understand is they don't pray before meals. It's just never been a habit. It's never been a practice. And it's, you know, it's not one of those things where I go, really? I don't, you know, come on. But what I realize is, is that they've just never seen the reason to acknowledge the Lord before they eat. They didn't have parents that taught them that, or they never saw other Christians do that in a way that went, huh, I could do that, or I should do that. So one of their ways might be to start practicing that. They say, well, I'd feel dumb. Sure, we all do. But what if you just said, Lord, we just want to stop and remember that you just met our needs. This food comes from your hand. We thank you for it. Help us remember those that don't have food. It could be anything like that. But it's just stopping and acknowledging that way. I've met other people that say, I never, ever acknowledge the Lord when I'm in a car. That would be me. Too many times. So the Lord has to regularly go, I want you to pray for that person in front of you and see them as, instead of seeing them as competition. No, I'm just being honest. I mean, these are ongoing lessons. And so whatever you do, wherever you are, can I say something? As soon as this service is over, you guys are going to go places that I don't go. You work in places that I don't work. You live at addresses that I don't live at. And so because we're going to be scattered all over, what would it look like if every one of us, wherever we are, whatever we do, just began to say, Lord, I, I'm not good at this yet, but I want to learn how to acknowledge you in all my ways. Wouldn't that be powerful? Wouldn't that be powerful? Some people, they never pray when they tuck their kids into bed. I've talked to people that say, my parents never talked about God, ever. They never read scripture to me. They never placed a folded piece of paper with a Bible verse in my hand. I just had no, that wasn't part of my life. And so for them, what's that going to look like if they want to change that? They're going to have to learn how to do that, even if they're not really good at it at first. But God knows that. And he just says, hey, acknowledge me with that. If you feel inadequate or deficient, how's that going to change? Just acknowledge me. So I've watched people start doing that with their kids. I'll tell you just another example. The Lord showed me a few years ago that even though I was a pastor, I wasn't praying for my wife. So now, a number of mornings, before she leaves for preschool, or sometimes before you get out of bed, I'll just go, Lord, my wife needs you today. I need you today. We just want to start this day by acknowledging you. I don't even know what's going to happen, but I know you're there, and we want to acknowledge you. And that has made a difference. And my wife has told me, you know, no matter how many years we've been married, no matter how many times you've done that, that means a lot to me. I know some people go, I'll never do that. And I just want to say, really? God can teach you. Notice this next thing. We can learn to pray while we question mark. So here's the question. Jeff, is it possible what you're suggesting, what God's saying here in the scripture, how can we pray in all our ways? Because like, 
I can't do that. I have a job. I have to work. So here's the thing I, I've told you before. Let me just review this quickly. When I was sitting in college classes, I had a psychology class one day that was talking about the amazing human mind that we all have. And it says that the human mind <clears throat> can actually do up to 12 operations at any given moment. That's pretty amazing. And if you doubt that, watch someone play video games. <laughs> if you doubt that, watch someone drive a stick shift. If you doubt that, watch someone on a snowboard. The friends, you can do more things than you think you can do. It's just that we need to unlearn or train ourselves to do that kind of thing. So I told you that when I was thinking about all this, wrestling with this, the most unlikely source helped me. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And I remember there was a song in that movie. Whistle while you... I remember thinking, if I can whistle while I work, I could probably pray while I work. John Ortberg says, look, if you're a worrier, you can pray. Because you've learned to worry all day. And now you can turn that worry into a prayer. See, this is what we're talking about. Turn everything into a prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Even if at first you don't think of that, that's okay. When you become conscious of that, acknowledge him right there. So that means that you could do that. It doesn't necessarily mean you do it. It doesn't necessarily mean I do it. But when I find myself forgetting, what's the right thing to do? To start. So I can tell you, even this week as I've been working on this message, I have forgotten so many ways and times to forget to acknowledge the Lord. But so when I do, though, when I go, oh, that's right, I have this privilege, this opportunity to acknowledge him. Can I just say this? The moment I acknowledge the Lord, not because I'm a pastor, this is true for anybody, something changes. Something changes in me. My circumstances don't necessarily change. But now all of a sudden I know I'm doing it with him. And he wants us to learn how to do this. And so there's a lot of ways I could talk to you about, but what would it be for you? <clears throat> now notice several more thoughts, and then I want to ask you to practice prayer with me. <clears throat> I want you to notice that he invites us to come to him with all kinds of prayers. He invites us to come to him with all kinds of prayers. Now, where do I get this? If you and I are going to acknowledge him in all our ways, that's a lot of ways. In the first service, <clears throat> there was a family sitting in the service, and one of their family members has cancer. And they just got some bad news this last week. And I thought to myself, what would it look like for them to acknowledge the Lord right now? It'll look different than on one of their happiest days of their life. But they can still learn to do that. And as they learn to do that, what might God show them? See, some of us are here today, and when, if we're going to acknowledge the Lord, we have some very joyful things to acknowledge him. I love the choir song. It says, when I don't know what to do, when I don't know what to say, let me you know, turn to you. And I think we should, and maybe that's the first place for some of you. Maybe every time you get into a difficult place, you don't acknowledge the Lord yet. You could. He's inviting you to. But I would say this, that for some of us that have walked with the Lord for a while, here's the pride, the way we need to sing that song. When I think I know what to do, let me turn to you. See, because it's when I think I know what to do that I'm dangerous. And I don't pray. 
but I can learn. So as a pastor, there are things I have done hundreds and thousands of times in the last 30 years as a pastor. Here's what I'm learning to do. Lord, even though I've done this 100 times, I want to do this with you today. Show me what to see. Like I heard years ago about a guy that was, his name was Evan Welsh, and his, he was just a chaplain at Wheaton College. And I had a buddy that, the way he found out about this is he was always late. He got in just before curfew every night, two in the morning on weekends. So he was pulling in one night, and here was this guy just picking up garbage. And he noticed that his lips were moving. He wasn't weird or anything, but he just noticed. And so later he said, like, what were you doing when I pulled into the dorm parking lot there? And I, he says, oh, I was picking up garbage. He says, yeah, but you were, it looked like you were doing something else. He says, oh, I was just praying for students on campus like you that God would work in your life and just trying to listen to what he might be wanting me to know about people. And I was just seeking him. I was just remembering him. I was acknowledging him. Wow, he was doing two things at once. But my grandma, I've told you this too, my grandma, when I used to spend time with her, she would be baking or cooking. We'd work on a project and I'd see her lips moving. And again, the first time I saw that happen, I thought, oh, my grandma's losing it. But I started realizing that she wasn't losing it. She was acknowledging the Lord in what we were doing. And I started to see, I could do that. I don't necessarily have to even have my lips moving. I can acknowledge him silently, but he's wanting to work in life. And so all kinds of prayers. I'll show you in just a second what I mean by that. Notice this, that another thing that's helped me is that we often think that prayers have to be long. They have to have certain words. And here's what I would say, short phrases. If you're following along with short phrases, we can pour our hearts out to him. That's what Psalm 62.8 urges us to do. And so I shared this before, but sometimes if you're going to practice this today, maybe the best way to do it is just to start by saying, Lord, I don't know exactly what to say. I'm not very good at prayer, but I just want to acknowledge you with this. I want to remember you with this. I want to seek you with this. I want to trust you with this. Would you show me how to practice this? The last thing is that with what do I need to acknowledge him? With what do I need to acknowledge him? I've told you many times <clears throat> that probably one of the most painful chapters of my life is when I was dating a girl who I knew wasn't a Christian, but I thought I knew better than God. And for a year, I deliberately would not acknowledge the Lord. I just straight-armed him and pushed him away. And you may be in a situation where you've got a corner, a pocket, a closet of your life that you don't want to acknowledge him. And please, don't feel like I'm going to pressure you to do that. I just want you to know the wisest choice you can make, though, is to come to a place where you humble yourself and in childlike dependence say, Lord, I'm trying to run the show. I'm trying to be independent. Help me see the wisdom of acknowledging in all my ways. So with all kinds of prayers, with all kinds of prayers, what would that look like? We've shared different ideas before, but if you look at the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, Jesus talks about some of these elements that I'm suggesting here. Adoration or praise. I've got, the, by the way, just the letters A-C-T-S-I-S, axis, A-C-T-S-I-S. So for the letter A, adoration, praise, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. May your name be reverence. May your name be honored. May your name be hallowed. Adoration. And when you stop to practice, if you practice adoration today, what if you woke up and said, good morning, Lord. You are a faithful God. 
You woke me up again this morning. You are a generous God. You've supplied all my needs. You are, you are a gracious God, a merciful God. You are a righteous God. You are a true God. You are holy. Then there's confession. Confession. One of the things I read this week, I've been reading Tim Keller's book called Prayer. I highly recommend it. He said, left to ourselves, our hearts will tend to create a God who doesn't exist. People from Western cultures want a God who is loving and forgiving, but not holy and transcendent. Studies of the spiritual lives of people in Western countries reveal that their prayers, therefore, are generally devoid of both repentance and of the joy of being forgiven. This is where if you're using God, you're not going to confess necessarily things that maybe you've done or maybe you need to pour out. You just want a God will make you happy. Well, this is where you can actually come in the light and just confess, and it's a powerful thing to do. I've found that to be very helpful. And then I always do it in light of remembering if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Thanksgiving. What's the difference between adoration and thanksgiving? Thanking him for what he's done and what he's doing. Adoration is thanking him for who he is. Supplication is, comes from the word supply. What do you need God to supply in your life? And so through petition or request, the Bible says, let your request be made known to God. Talk to him. Ask him for what you need. And that is important. Intercession. This means that we not only pray about our own lives and get turned in ourselves, but we also pray for other Christians. Right now, there's people praying in the prayer room. There's people that pray on Saturdays. There's people that pray before meetings in our church. There's sometimes I've watched people after the services, they'll just stop and pray for someone in the hallway or in the room. Intercession is important. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. And then finally, surrender. Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. I've noticed that sometimes I go through whole seasons where I'm not really surrendering my life to the Lord. I'm getting independent again. And he wants there to be times where you just go, God, I'm doing it again, aren't I? I'm not acknowledging you. I want to surrender to you freshly. So those are just some ideas. And I don't know, as you walk out of here today, you might actually want to practice one of these. But here's what we want to do just for these last couple minutes. We want to practice intercession today. Some of you have probably heard that in Egypt, 21 men were martyred this past week by ISIS. There's a persecution going on. And so thousands of churches this day are praying for the family members and others that are being persecuted like that in different places in the world. Watch this video. dangerous time to be a Christian. Torture, beheadings, destruction the of... the highest life. level of persecution of Christians. A church congregation barricading themselves in from hundreds of riot police. ...are enduring attacks for their faith like Along never with the savage kidnappings of Christian schoolgirls in Nigeria by Boko Haram and the burning of Christian Images churches. of violence dominate headlines. Christians are being warned they have a choice. Convert to Islam, pay a very steep price, or face death. Chilling new video showing the beheading of 21 Egyptian Christians. Beheadings of 21 Christians. 21 Christian men beheaded by Islamic State. The title of the video is a message signed with blood to the nation of we the cross. The, the sharpest jump in violent uh, attacks against Christians. We need to make the persecuted church an issue of prayer.
if you would, if you'd bow your head. And if you're willing to do so, I want you just to silently ask God right there at your seat if he would please minister and strengthen our brothers and sisters that are experiencing this kind of persecution. He'd help them be faithful. Oh, Lord, I pray that we will come to a place again and again in our lives where we'll acknowledge you as the Lord of our lives, that we'll surrender anything we need to surrender, that we'll adore you and thank you and look to you, confess when we need to confess and intercede. So show us, God, how to live the Christian life this week. And again, thank you for our brothers and sisters. Help us to also be faithful to you this week. In your name we pray, amen.